0: So my personal opinion is data should always be CC0 because data is garbage without context.
1: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Confos. I'm your host, Diego, together with my co-host, Shanluk. Shanluk, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. It's fun to do an afternoon episode now for us, actually. Instead of and
1: you know what afternoon episode means, right?
2: I don't know. What does it mean? Tell me.
1: We're talking with someone across the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that is what it what it mainly means. We have today's guest is actually in Europe at the moment. So that's the, the reason for the time change. And today's guest, I think, has one of the most intriguing jobs in the world. And the reason I say that is when I started researching the online space, the online marketing space in Suriname, I started to realize like, hey, everything about Suriname that's written, it's not written by a Surinamese person. But it's written by somebody who either lived in Suriname or came on vacation or found Suriname interesting and started posting blog posts or information about Suriname and this is actually our guest for today is somebody who is actually an expert in getting data, not just for Suriname, but for anything, any topic onto the internet. So without further ado, I
1: would like to welcome Andra.
0: Welcome Andra. Hi, Jean-Luc. Hi, Diego. Thanks for the nice introduction.
1: Yeah. Hi, Andra. Hi. Awesome. At Andra Waag, uh, last minute change. So we all have our Twitter handles here, but Andra, I, I want to drive straight into it. Jean-Luc mentioned an important point, data. And when it comes to data about Suriname, our country especially, it's quite kind of lackluster if, if you start searching. And he mentioned several examples on, usually it's people from outside of the country that enter this data online. So I'm curious to know what your first encounter was with the country, Suriname. Like, how did you even get in touch with Suriname?
0: Well, basically I lived there. I grew up in Suriname and I have a Surinamese mother who still lives there. So I of, of, well, often, no, COVID just enabled the the often part of it. But uh, yeah, I know Suriname, I grew up there. I know, I know the back alleys of Paramaribo and I actually le- left when I, well, when I became an adult and I think I have left so long ago that I wouldn't consider myself a native anymore. And so maybe an expat or whatever the term is. So I actually align more with what Shan Luke said. I really like it. A colleague of mine just introduced the term parachute scientist, which is a core core thing in my work. And it's like, yeah, the pr- there is really a problem that a lot of data collection, especially in the global south is collected by the, by people who are
1: visiting from the global north. Could you explain what you mean with parachute scientist?
0: Well, parachute scientist is someone who just goes into, just goes to Suriname and gets extremely excited by the cult. Suriname as an example, but it applies to anything else like me it can be brazil can be anything and they and, and they get excited about a country about a culture about anything and then they start collecting and doing making data points but when you when you're not part of a country or a culture even if you left a country for a while you're missing certain points so so without dismissing the parachute scientist you can call it there are some people who call it colonization, data colonization. I don't like that. Term. That's just a bit heavy. That's a bit. heavy. Yeah, I don't like because there is a lot of good intention with those. So I like the term parachute scientist or patent parachute observer. Someone flies over, just goes to Suriname or any other country for two, three weeks, where we'll start making data collection, and then there's a lot of value in in that. But it comes with a bias. So the challenge now is how do how can you extend the parachute scientist view to local scientists? How do you collect the data points to, to actually get a comprehensive view of the data field on any topic?
2: So here, here's the, the disappointing part of that. Because when we went from Web 1 to Web 2 and people were actually allowed to, with content on, like we are putting out a lot of content, like in Suriname, but also in the Global South. We're putting out a lot of content. But for some reason, that content just isn't informative content like the West is doing. So like, for example, when I studied in in Europe, there was this uh, map. Like these cities were putting out maps made by the locals. So instead of using the name of the restaurant, they would put out what the restaurant is known for. And so this has this kind of feel like you're being told by the locals, like, this is good for this reason. And we never came across that in, in, in the global audience here now. That that logos were putting on content like you we were very orally motivated. So we know Anansi Dori, which is kind of the 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 spider that always tries to be smart and, and he gets caught. And those kind of stories are are promoted orally. So they go from one generation to the next through oral communication instead of written communication. So how did you? get introduced into the aspect of creating content, but focusing also on writing uh,
0: and not just uh, consuming content. So first, before I end, go into deep to your question, I'm not writing content. I'm a terrible writer. Mm -hmm. I'm doing data collection and my core business is I'm I'm earning a living with data modeling. And it's about data collections. And once you have, and the problem with data, you, you, you hear a lot of people say data is the new oil. And I think that this is a misconception because data is in principle garbage. And, and so if you start collecting a lot of data and you pile all the data, you end up with Excel sheets, Word documents, you you name it. And you have a fantastic big data server with all this data on it. And then someone asks you a question like, okay, and now I want to know something X, the storytellers. And the storyteller has to go to the, to the data and needs to make sense of the data. And then it, and I actually, I, I often use a certain term I, I learned when I was living in Suriname, which is Movo koranti Data is actually Movo Corranti. It, it is, has some value into it, but you really need to know where it comes from. So, and that is, that's in, in, to use an expensive word that is called provenance. So it's not about only content creation. It's about putting facts and data on the internet in a uniform form with the provenance. Who is saying it? If I say the sun comes up in Suriname at well, let make make something up 6:30, you have to believe me or not. I'm saying it. If you say it, uh, it has more credibility to it. So you need you don't only need to know the sun comes up at 6:30, but also who is saying it, and then right. check check that. And yeah. so that's 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 the part of it, and that's the part of my job. And then so what I what I basically do I'm and please interrupt me if if I if I get too nerdy and too technical but I'm basically working in the semantic web which is an extension to the world wide web you should see the semantic web if you if you if you consider the world wide web as an, a connection of documents and even a url which or the web address is a document whether it's a youtube or a, a document newspaper or anything that's a document that document still needs assessment by a person if you extend that where every web address is just a point. So if I'm talking about Jean-Luc, I'm not calling you Jean-Luc. I'm calling. I'm using the web address of your LinkedIn page, to give an example. If I start using the web addresses as data points, I do something. I create data, which I can just, because the, it's a uniform URL, it's uniform resource locator, and you have a similar use, and then, then I end the nerdy talk. Is a universe resource identifier. And once you have that, you have unified data, which you can throw in a pile, and then you you can start parsing that for storytellers to make stories of the data. So I talked a lot to say, I am not writing stories. I'm making sense of the data. So you as a story writer can use the data to build sensible and factual stories. Okay. I'm going to try
2: to translate this in a different language. Correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, you're the backend developer to the websites, to the front-end developers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're the, the semantic web is the backend to the world wide web, being the front-end.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but it's a very good, uh, and let's not make this a a story into the semantic (laughs) web because that is a different story. And I'm happy to have the discussion, but we're talking about the data. And so if you, if you have unified data. And whether it is on biodiversity or on health or on distributions, you often will see that we know a lot on Europe and the U.S. Simply because that's where the data is collected. That's where the infrastructure is. But we are made, based on data, conclusions are made about the Global South. So that is where my interest comes in. Actually, it, it was on one of my trips in Suriname. I'm using an app, which is called iNaturalist. And you can make pictures of the, of the the nature surrounding you and then a global community will assess what you have and then I learned that if I make a picture in Belgium where I live it will take one minute to a day to get a valuable resource if I do this in Suriname and it's getting better but it can take months before someone says you are actually seeing a creature bee I'm making a silly example
1: but and this is To to interject that, is that due to a network effect because there are, so to speak, more data validators in the Northern Hemisphere, like in Europe, to be able to match that? Or is that just because of the infrastructure that has been built over the years to be able to identify? Yeah, that's a pretty
0: it's, uh, it's the bee will be recognized because there are already so many observations, but it is because not, there is just not, there is just not enough data. And that's when I come to the parachute scientists. So what is now happening is tourists are coming in and they are, they have free time. I mean, I make more observations with when I'm on holiday. When I have a job, which means, which is also, which also makes sense is why locals are not as active as tourists, they don't, they simply don't have the time. They are working, they have a job. So now the question is, how do you change that gap? How can we get local observers to be part of that network, start making data points? And, and I naturally, this is one nice example I like to mention because it's really interesting. We can dive into that a bit later, but it, it's about how do you get locals engaged? to take control of the data points. And the, the fact, well, there is also a, a ownership we can dive into later, but the fact that you make your data for your observations available as uniform data and shareable with the community, with the global community of, of uh, authors, helps in assessing and putting value to your data. So it, it, it's give and take. So, but now I'm interested, like, we don't have to
2: invent the wheel on shelves, right? No, exactly. The first, thing, the first thing that I'm thinking is like, we should be able to implement this as a high school teacher. That you were saying like, hey, we're teaching a certain kind of science that's related to, to certain specimen that all works getting data on. And we're doing a field trip. And part of the field trip is finding data. So, so that was one, I think, that I immediately thought of. And then the second thing I thought of was like, how did the, the Northern Hemisphere or the Western countries, How did they incorporate the idea of finding and documenting this data? How did they start? Is there something that we can learn from how they did?
0: I cannot speak for the whole global north because I'm simply not an expert there and didn't do any science there. But what I do know is if you look to like the projects that are successful, they sometimes just started in 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 the garage. So the iNaturalist app that I talked about before was a thesis project of a student in Los Angeles, and it just picked up. I mean, and th- there is another issue there. It was English. It's, it's easier to get momentum if you speak English than if you speak Dutch. So th- those things help. And what Regarding the school trip, that is exactly the point. I'm currently working in a, in a project that is called WikiMentor Africa. And it's about creating technology background, background with Africans uh, in people in African countries to, to take control of their data and, and actually process the data themselves. And we are currently running a project where we are trying, we have this data of, on iNaturalist. So they are observing the nature in Ghana. It's one project. And they have a language, they speak, the, the, one of the language spoken in Ghana is Dagbani. And I'm now working with one of the, one of the folks there. What they are doing is they are observing the, the nature in, in the surroundings of a northern village in Ghana. This is sent to I naturalist, the world community, together with, the, with, the, with the, the people in sub-Saharan Africa, they annotate the nature, they try to identify what it is, and then together with students, we write Wikipedia articles on those local species in their local language. So, and, and what we do is we create, we, we put the data in a template and that template is then sent to a classroom with children or, or volunteers, it actually doesn't matter who then dive in and to extend the they actually built it based on the data facts. And the only thing we do is we present the data that we know. So. They do data collection. The data collection is stored on an infrastructure and then the local communities enrich that with text in their local language. And then we ran in a lot of problems. I mean, that's again, another toxic because yeah, where do you go away from English?
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that. I because looking back to, you know, the high school days here in Syrenam, uh, Basically Wikipedia was the go-to reference, I'm not going to say source uh, to, to get quick information. Although, especially when you go to the university, that's not considered a um, valid point of reference because it's not a uh, academic article or, or, or whatever. But
2: it's not but, an academic source. Yeah.
1: yeah. But uh, coming to that, for me at least, yes, it was very much easier to find information in English. Uh, comparing topics, similar topics. If you look for a similar topic in Dutch, for example, the articles are much, much shorter. So is, is this the, the gap you're talking about in having content in local languages?
0: Yes and no. So what, one thing is you no, know, and that's actually the wiki, wikipedia themselves say that you should not use as as a verifiable resource. But one of the requirements in Wikipedia, and especially in the English Wikipedia, they are quite well edited. If you state something and you don't put in, so let's say uh, you want to make a fact: the sun raises at 6:30 in Suriname. You put that on a Wikipedia article, it, it 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 will get removed because you didn't provide a source. So yes, you can still use Wikipedia as a viable resource to say, and a viable resource to say, I need literature because you go to the article, you go to the reference section and you have your set of references from where you can start, which you should never cite. I agree with your teachers, you should never cite a Wikipedia article, but it's, a, it's a, as, as you never su- cite a Google search uh, query. It's the same thing. The problem is a bit different. So if we want, they have these small, and there is, a, there is a Sranangtongo Wikipedia, which I'm actually not aware what the status of that is. But if you have a small language, I mean, if I talk about a small language Wikipedia, we can still talk about 40 population of 40 million. But so, and because for example, it's just starting, starting to grow, but let's say you have a community and you want to have the same rigorness as in English. So you say, I don't want to have information in Wikipedia that is not from a fire vi- verifiable source. Then you still need to use an English source, or if you go back into the literature 100 years, the, 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 main language was French. And before that it was German and then it was Latin. So, so if you say in the sun, it goes up in Suriname at six 30 and you put in a reference in Latin, none of us will understand it. If you put it in English, you need to speak English. So that's even if you talk in a local language. And you're proud of your local language because most of the of the content is in English. English is still the backbone of the. And it, this this comes up with a question like, yeah, but I actually, I actually want this non English Wikipedia to only cite non English references. So, but it it's like a chicken and egg yes, question. Really hard because then you have to have the publications. It a said language, which often isn't the case. Yeah. So, I'm now just I'm I'm so I'm now just putting it in there and sometimes putting a link with, with to, to Google Translate. But yeah, it's 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 always a balancing act.
2: Okay, but, but now coming full circle again, because you're talking about Ghana, there is there are a lot of similarities with Ghana and Suriname, especially because there's a, a rich history between the two countries. I want to take it a little bit broader and ask you, because you've collected a lot of data from around the world, which will dive in a little bit as well. What would be the one thing that you would say, I'm surprised that in this country, they have something similar to Suriname and what is something that you're saying, like, I feel like Suriname is the only country that has this?
0: Uh, Actually, starting with the last question. I, I need to get back to Suriname ASAP because I was in 2019, I was in Panama and I did some, I started to be very interested in, in the biodiversity in 2018. So I went to Panama and I, I did some observations that are using this iNaturalist app. And I was mind blown by the, 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 the richness of the ecosystem in, in Panama. And I was like, hold on. I I lived in Suriname and I didn't remember because I, at at that time I was totally not interested. I could only see a Gritibi and that was it. Uh, And if it's a butterfly, it's a butterfly. And so I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to going back to Suriname, even if it's only for a week and to repeat what I did in Panama, just to compare, because I'm expecting that it will be richer than, than, than Panama. And and for the, and this is, please don't quote me on this because I'm just speculating here. It's only because more people go to Panama. So more people make observations of the nature. So you get a better impression of how Panama looks. Whereas not a lot of people do that in Suriname. So we have no idea. So it could totally be. That it's one of the richest. I mean, if if you go to any website you see they say Panama is the most richest biodiversity country, Ecuador is it, Bolivia, Peru, you name it. But can we say it about Suriname? I think it is. I don't know. So that's that's the that's the thing. Like, how do we get a good impression of trying to increase the well we need to, we need just these parachute scientists who just go on holiday, but that's that doesn't scale. So then the question is how do you get more coverage, more uh, registrations, etc.
1: It's also, a, I think, a challenge on, uh, you just mentioned scale there. So b- before we dive in deeper, walk, walk us through like what it looks like when you as a, quote unquote, first China, Chinese tourist goes to a country and then collects data, what does that actually look like? I make pictures. Of, uh, I'm walking
0: in paper pot I'm walking in palmata And I'm walking around. I see a Kakarlak, I see an awara. I see anything. I just make a picture through the app. I say safe, and I use some a in the app. There is some AI that does some that does some that does some suggestion. In the global south, this suggestion is bad. In the north, it's kind of accurate. So. But the more observations you
1: have, the better... You the need predict- more data points to make because yeah. the app can actually give more accurate information.
0: So what, uh, I, what I do is basically I'm going as a, as a tourist. Now I'm a tourist. I will come to the parachute scientist in a minute and I'm making pictures like I'm doing that when I'm swimming in the swimming pool, but I'm not making the pictures from my general camera. I'm using the app. So then the, em- app, the, the image is sent to the central server of this app. And then the community, it works a bit like Facebook. So, but you, you cannot have fights on comments. You just
1: say, no, that's not a -a kakarlak. That is a bug, whatever. Can I imagine this? Like uh, sometimes when you sign into Google, you have this capture, the Google verification capture, then you get some images. Like, uh, is this a crosswalk? Yeah, Yeah.
0: It's a similar thing, except you need to commit to the community. You join the community and people will, will look at your pictures. They will start following you. Like, so it, it's a mix between that and a social media platform. So you Interesting. would, uh, as well, if you, if you're interested, you can actually, if you're an expert in whatever, give me a bird and you, you can go to iNaturalist and you can just sit at your bench at home and you just say, that's that, that's that, that's that. So what? then you're taking the other route around, you're starting annotating what people are seeing. So it's a two, it's a two way road. So one, you can observe with your app and the other way is others. And if you're really, really interested, so let's say your specialization is let's stick with the cockroaches because they're not always dirty. So let's say you're a cockroach expert. You actually want to know when, and when, when someone sees a specific cockroach in Suriname. I actually saw one recently. It's called a wood cockroach. It's a beautiful animal and was not a disgusting one. You see sometimes in your house, but I was surprised it was a cockroach. And then someone who is a cockroach expert will get a sign saying someone saw a cockroach in. Tibet, whatever country, they will go to your observations and say, no, 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 it's not a cockroach, it's a butterfly. I'm making stuff stuff, stuff up. So then that expert will actually, uh, so when a, a few set of experts agree with that observations, so you need to have two to three people who agree if there is some consensus. This observation with the location where it's taken is sent to a global network called GBIF, the Global Biodiversity Information Framework, which is used by Organize global organizations to get a sense of what the biodiversity is globally. So simply by being that tourists, I am I'm making a cool picture of some nice butterfly or sabaku, you, you name it. I'm actually contributing to science. Now, one thing is when I am a, a parachute scientist, I do an extra step. So if you make a picture in iNaturalist as a tourist, the picture remains yours. You own the copyright. And it's not being reused. What I do as a parachute scientist is I go to the iNaturalist app and I change the copyright license from a proprietary license that it's mine and nobody's using it. I'm saying, you can use this image for whatever reason you you want. My license is even so liberal that if you, you can actually go to my website, you can take the pictures and you can make a mug of all the observations I made in Suriname. And you can, you can actually make merch and sell it. And that's fine. There are others who who say, no, 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 my name should be there. I mean, that's a discussion you can have. But what I do is I put a very open license in it where I say, I make these observations, if you want to use it for whatever source, please do so. And why do I do that? Because I want to use, if if I see something that is not yet described in Wikipedia and a group of global experts tells me, yes, this is indeed a butterfly. And then I can, I or someone else can reuse that image in Wikipedia to build the Wikipedia articles from, so that's, that's the pattern. So the, the tourist just make pictures and is excited to boast on social media, what he or she has seen. The parachute scientist does also this collection of data to reuse in papers, Wikipedia articles, you name it.
2: But do you get the credits for the, the Wikimedia Commons?
0: It just does, do they give you the credits or does the person that actually puts the photo there, who writes the article get the credits? So, so that, that depends, but the short answer is yes. So you basically have a family of licenses, which is called Creative Commons. And there are a set of Creative Commons licenses. So you have the CC by NC, which is Creative Commons by attribution, non-commercial. Uh, starting with the non-commercial means you are not allowed to use that object in commercial endeavors. This is problematic. I won't dive into it. But so the next, that's why people don't use it because well, to dive in something, if you're using, if you're a foundation and you have, so you are non-profitable, but you use an image and you print it on a brochure, you go to a printer and that printer is a, com- is a, is a commercial entity. So now you're getting into murky legal ground. Is that commercial reuse? Because someone is, is earning, is winning money on my content. And that this might not be the person who is coming from a foundation, but a simple printer. So if I don't want someone to make money on my work and I put NC, even if you have a foundation and you're doing voluntary work, you might breach that license. So that is why, why I don't am a favor of commercial license. Although I can be frustrated if somebody is taking my picture and making money out of that. But that's a consequence and a decision. The other that's in choice.
2: Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. The yes.
0: other part is the CC BY. And the CC BY means you are if I make a picture and I put in CC BY underneath, you can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to pay me, you don't have to call me, but the picture remains mine. So you and you have to say this is a picture from Andra Wachmeister. If that, and that's what most people do. Now there is another license with the CC zero, and that oh, says
1: I just about to bring. Yeah,
0: that says I don't care. It's public data. Do whatever you like, and I have no grounds to claim copyright on it because I basically say it's it's a public domain. Now the reason that I selected it is I'm doing data interoperability. And when I combining data sets from different observers, and I'm dealing with all these different dialects of those open licenses, I have a headache. So I'm always excited if somebody has a CC0. And then the assumption is if you're a decent, and again, to, again, going back to the example of the sunset in Suriname, if I say it, it is, it is, it is less credible than if the two of you say it. So it's actually, and that's why I say data is actually more for quarantine. It's actually important that you know, the source. So that's why I'm, I am happy to put it in CC zero because if someone comes in, let's say Putin comes around and says, the sun goes up at six 30 in Suriname, well, he might have good spy. So it's a bad example, but let's, let's say someone else, then it, it really depends on who is saying it? So that's my, but that's my personal opinion. I guess if you invite a lawyer in this forum, we will have a very uh, yeah
1: discussion. Yeah, discussion. I, I, I've actually watched a few you know um, licensing discussions, uh, especially on CC Zero uh, a few weeks ago, because it's very hot topic now around the NFT space. But we, we don't want to uh, really dive into that. But
2: to actually go to what you were saying, Diego, uh, I have this issue with Flickr. Like, Flickr is one of the websites, photo websites that often, when you do a Google search and say, I want to search only on a Creative Commons that is allowed for the profit, you actually get to several Flickr photos. And then when you actually go onto those Flickr accounts to download the photo and you go to the CC rights of the photo, it actually starts via different rights. So I don't know if you've experienced that, Diego, as well, but I've experienced that. I thought that it would would be a copyright-free image, but then when I got to the Creative uh, Commons attributes from the photo, I realized that it wasn't.
0: Cre- creative Commons is never copyright-free, the, 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 with the exception of CC0. Of oh, so yeah, CC0, yeah, yeah. yeah. CC0 yeah. Is, is an exception. But yeah. the other Creative Commons is basically stating you always remain the owner, with the exception of CC0, of that photo.
2: With a CC0, I'm allowed to edit that photo, right?
0: Yes, with CC by your two, you're also allowed to use that. Yeah. Only there is one I didn't mention, which is the ND, the non-derivative. If, if the ND is in there, you are not allowed to adapt it, but if you want to build, and that's, that's where, that's what I, I didn't mention the term. It's license stacking is what I had to deal with. If you have different photos you want to combine and they all use the CC by, and you make a very nice collage of something, you are allowed to do that. But then in the credits, you have to say, this picture is built on work by ABCD and I'm not saying you should not do that. I think, I mean, I'm not going into a discussion of of reusing or of not. I'm only saying my choice is to just throw it out. And if you, I can totally understand if you make a living of uh, of, of photograph photography. I remember I'm a tourist, not a professional photographer. Then, yeah, what, who am I to say you should you should be put it on CC0 or CC by? It's everybody's choice. I will never fight with someone or discuss with something, a license choice, because it's it's personal. And there are different motivations for different people to, to do that. The only thing is, if it's not done, so let's say you have a photo, you release it as CC by, a lot of people think that you, are, you are, it's copyright free. If someone uses your image, but doesn't say it's Jean-Luc or Diego who made this image, you have the right to go to court and you might win which is another reason for me to not do it because I don't have the funds to go to court. Uh, uh, And again, we're in this circle of what do we, what do we do?
1: Yeah. You as the owner party are responsible to take action. Yeah. Actually, you know, if someone infringes on that copyright, but I'm curious to know we're we're talking about, about taking photos here as a form of data collection. Is there any other type of. Data collection that goes into your current work or have done, aside from just taking photos and getting that validated by experts.
0: In the in the in the in the exception of so so I didn't mention that in iNaturalist they use three licenses. You have to set there's the license for the photos, the license for the sounds because it also does sound recordings, and the license for the metadata. And a sensible thing. So my personal opinion is data should always be CC zero because data is garbage without context. And, but when you put in, when you, because a a license said something about creative work, so uh, a movie, uh, a film, but even also an artistic photo is creative work. And then it makes sense to put a license. What I'm doing is I'm just making random pictures. And I'm not a photographer. So it's my personal assessment that I don't think this is a creative process. And I, I will not fight anyone who disagrees with me. And I will agree with them. And then I say, that's why I say it's CC0. So that's the thing. But when it comes to, so my biodiversity work is basically is basically indeed my free time. I'm doing it that uh, same. I sometimes do some projects in the web, is in medical data. Yeah. And then we talk on a total different different scale. So if you talk about medical data, you have not only the copyright license, but you also have privacy roles and then, and then, but, uh, and then you have privacy laws and you have, yeah, what's the other word uh, secrecy. Uh, a doctor has to be, has to respect the secrecy. And there we are also balancing, making a difference between observations, which is medical data and medical knowledge. And then in medical knowledge, which is, and then you can you can see that as as an expert reads an, a scientific article, and that is more what the example that I forgot who said it about the Google Google CAPTCHA. That's 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 work that's being done. That someone reads a scientific article and then makes that destructurize the data so you can query the data, and there, uh, the, there there is where we do the pub, the open license as well. So the distinction there is. Knowledge is open, data, medical data, which is observations about the patients, those needs to be as secret as 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 one as can be. Do I did I understand your question
1: correct, Diego? Somewhat. I I was to expand on that a bit, like to Yeah, I I think you brought up a good distinction there on separating knowledge and observations, right? Knowledge is more like from my understanding, like free, open factual in a sense, and anyone should be able to use that Yeah. because if we stack that up as in, Hey, I just made up a word and you copyright that it's just a string of letters. So where do you feel like not wanting to go deep into that, but where, where is there a a line that you won't cross or something like that? But it's a blurry line. And and I'm using criminals use open
0: data too. So that's always the question you should you should ask yourself. And stick going back to the biodiversity data. If you have very rare what what INaturalist does that, if you have a very rare animal which is on the breach of extinction, they will not publish the actual GPS coordinates. So I, let's say you see a, a jaguar in Suriname, you make a picture of it. It will store the GPS, but the GPS information will not be accurate. It will still be somewhere Perfect. in Suriname, but it will not be, or my, well, if it's close to the borders, it can be French Guiana, Suriname, Bra- uh, Guyana or Brazil, but they, they just drop the coordinate point so that poachers cannot use the data. And I think that's the, the, the balance we need to find, which is the same for medical data. It's because, well, if you... Purely look at it, medical data is also a fact because someone has a fever, someone has that disease, someone has went to that test, but, but when, when you have open access to that data, some severe side effects can happen. And that, that is a discussion. So it, it works in medical data severely, but in this biodiversity data as well, if it's on the brink of extinction, yeah, then, then we need to deal with that and, and hide it. And again, it may be maybe to go full circle to the parachute scientist, why should you should ask yourself the same question? Why should someone in Suriname facilitate the observations of a app that is stored in Silicon Valley? So it's the same thing. And it, it it only makes sense if you as a country can benefit from it. Then it makes sense to consider iNaturalist as a as an infrastructure, which it which because which you can because they have these open licenses, etc.
2: It's it's very interesting that you mentioned that, because at a certain point I won't name the name of the company, of course, but I was filling in data about social media in an app, an international app. And at a certain point I was like, hold on, wait a minute. I'm putting all this effort in to make that app more accurate, yeah, but we're actually gaining zero from it. So there is kind of a duality in there saying like, Hey, we need to have this data. While on the other hand, somebody else is profiting from it. So, so how can, what kind of approach, because it's, it's like you said, there's a difference between I'm a tourist, I'm just going to take pictures. And actually saying like, I'm a scientist, I'm actually collecting data with with freshmen. So how does somebody earn actually from, from doing this kind of work?
0: Oh, well, the earning let's stick with the iNaturalist example is basically experts are telling you what you saw for free. That's, that's basically what they're that's doing. That's the, the, okay. That's your sole earning point. You, that's the benefit you get from doing that. If you, if you go to Wikipedia there, I don't know the exact numbers. But there was a study that says, if you write in Wikipedia article, increase visits to that city. So there is not a monetary gain by doing that in the immediate time, but by putting in data points, not, not only the, 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 um, you as a local learns about your country, but others as well by leveraging. It's, 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 more an interconnection benefit, but you're completely right. I can say with iNaturalist, you can, if, if it's a prop, if they say it's a prop, you, you have someone who says my photo and it says proprietary license. I ignore those. I'm lost. Like I'm not going to give you my free knowledge. And then you as a photographer, because if you sell a picture of a bird and I tell you, it's a Grietje B. Then this person, which it might be a beautiful Grijtje B, so it's credits to the photographer. But I actually gave him additional information for free. And now he can sell this picture as a picture of a Grijtje B. So if he says, or she, you cannot use my photo, I was like, I'm not going to tell you my knowledge. So that's 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 how I deal with it. And and by the way, if you put it on iNaturalist, you can just also download it immediately after it has been annotated. So so yes, they might be this a non profit, but they they might gain from it uh, monetarily. But you as well, because this other community made a made assessments about your data set. You can now more strongly say that you have a full collection of all the chrytid bees in Suriname. It's a ridiculous example, but. Just for illustration purposes, to stick with the grichabi. I I like the B.
1: That's why uh, Orkiskidi is called in English. So just a quick observation on that. So let's say B now it's something I could consider common knowledge. Like is it? Generally you you can find, you know, that yellow bird is a B. And it I think if you do a simple search now from other regions of the world, you can find out what the V is. Yes. But then say you, you take a photo of something that's not exclusive to the region and you find some similarities in other areas. So does that still comply or that expert knowledge, is it still valued the same? So how would you argue against or for that?
0: Well, for the Grietje bee, yes, if, if I would uh, actually, there are multiple Grietje bees in Suriname. I think it's only one. So you also need to distinction that it's coming from Suriname. Madame Chanette is common knowledge in, in Suriname, but it's, it's a very rare fruit outside Suriname. So you need Surinamese knowledge to, to recognize Madame Chanette. So it, it, it's that extra knowledge that, that is, and I'm saying I only should share that knowledge. If you can benefit from the product that the other pl- uh, picture off of Madame chenet uh, because you see, you're right, that 3GB is a common knowledge, but the photographer has a picture of a yellow bird. And then you can only find it after you went through all the pictures of the canary, which is also a yellow bird, or even a Ara, which is a yellow blue bird. So. By putting by assessing it's a B, you act it. I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous example. You probably will increase the monetary value of that photo from, let's say, one dollar to one dollar and ten cents. But yet, it is a monetary benefit for that person because they can say, I have checked with experts, aka locals in Suriname, they confirmed this is a griecha B. So, with some confidence, I can say, This is a picture of a griecha B. So that's why I'm saying if I'm all for open, but only doing that when the other is also open, I'm not going to give that to someone who has a proprietary license in it.
2: Makes total sense. So we are wondering now if it should already go to some overrated, underrated question. Uh,
1: yeah, we, we, we could do some, unless you have anything else burning.
2: Well, there are a couple of things, where I, I mean, the main thing before I want to jump, jump into the over in the is we've spoken a lot about data. You've made clear, like you're not a content, like a person who puts in content, but rather data for those who are less familiar with it. How can you actually earn a living for,
0: for, for, create, from documenting data? Okay. And that's a good question. My, my story is I was working at a university as a bioinformatician. And I could get a job in the US, but I didn't want to relocate. And then they said, you can only work as an entrepreneur. So I set up my company and from there I started and we went into data modeling. So basically uh, how can you earn money Well, there are quite some angles to it, but sticking to my example, as I said, my work is very simple and uh, is I take data. And I confirm it into the what I call the center semantic web format or link data. What I do there is you should imagine if you have like all the you have all different data sets collected in Excel, and you want to combine those data sets into a single data file, you're screwed. Because some use an address field with the house number in it, others to have have a special field for the house number, others use the house number before the street, uh, while well, you name it. And there are a myriad of examples there. So trying to combine all those data sets into one data set is, is difficult, if at all possible. So what I do is I transform this, all the data into what is called a triple, a semantic web triple, which is just three columns, a subject, a predicate, and an object. And what we do there is we change away from the data tables to the sentence structure. So instead of making a table who participated in the social conference? And then we have Andra, Diego, Jean-Luc, and everybody else. We, we store it in the column, Andra participated in social confos. Diego hosted social confos. Jean-Luc hosted social concept. So what we are doing is we are creating a new data format, which is closer to the sentence structures of what we speak. So that's the easy part. And instead of Jean-Luc and Diego, we use your URLs or URIs. And that's where the difficulty comes in because Jean-Luc is Jean-Luc at Twitter, the same as Jean-Luc at Facebook and the the same, same as Jean-Luc at Instagram, TikTok, whatever. So that's, that's a decision that you have to to make. And that's my job. So I'm working mainly with medical biodiversity and cultural heritage data, where we take all the data sets that are in all the Excel tables. And then we have discussions about putting this in this sentence structure, the triples and then selecting the URLs we use to store the point, Because if I say, I talk about Jean-Luc, there are multiple Jean-Lucs. There might even be Jean-Lucs from Charante. I guess not, but, but, there, but if your name is Jan Jansen, who are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, most likely. <laughs> yeah, but if you have a URL and we use the same URL, we're pretty sure we're talking about the same thing. So my job is about bridging the the data points with, with the experts. So if you want to have a career there, yeah, you have to do data science as a background or being a data architect or be a d- uh, data modeler. And that's it's a simple job because I'm only taking Excel sheets and I'm putting it in three columns, but it's not simple because we have to select the web
1: domains and the definitions. Yeah. It's actually making sense of the data. That's the the challenge. Before we go into the over-under, I do want to bring back one specific word that you brought up in the beginning, provenance. And you brought it up like it's important to, you know, know the source of where that data is coming from. And in your example of, you know, taking, collecting data on biodiversity, medical, the provenance is the source where it's coming from. As in, if we say it's going up at 630, it's more credible, more valid because we said it and you can trace it back that it's been validated by a local. Yeah. Now, all this data is being, I guess, safe on, you know, servers on Silicon Valley, Amazon Web Services, all these big corporations. And Shanuka's laughing because she knows the point I wanted to make. Are there any other ways that you can you know, safeguard this provenance that it doesn't get manipulated by organizations or misused or misinterpreted? select by having the provenance and having the data in a, in a unified form.
0: So that if you don't like, I mean, we don't have time yet, but I can mention a project like Solid. Solid is a project that wants to take away. If you're frustrated with Facebook, you should be able to take your Facebook history and go to Twitter and continue on Twitter with your Facebook history. We are not there yet, but that's where people are bright minds on, are working on. The same thing is if you have a data and you, and it's in Facebook and we have a link data session where we, where we expose the data to the semantic web, the moment they get annoyed, you just take your RDF or the link data, you put it into a new system and since it's a unified form, you can continue. I mean, this is ideal. This is a, this I, I'm making it very simple I'm earning a living on it and and it's it's a complex job to make sure that you become independent of the silicon valleys or the big corporates but the, but actually the provenance is key so it's the provenance and it's the uniform data format it's that your data should be not in a in obscure CSV file or an excel file or well, sometimes deep date, debase, etc. So, those are the T two keys having a uniform format and making sure the provenance is really, really good. So that the moment you're frustrated with one of the corporates, you just take it, you go to a different format. And that just might be a process of five months because you have to build the infrastructure and uh, etc. But at least nothing is lost, not everything is lost.
1: So would you say like blockchain tech is the applicable um, technology to I am, provenance?
0: Or I am not going there because then we're diving into electricity <laughs> production. No, it's not that complex. But yes, mm. blockchain is provenance, but that's a whole different no, it's it's really as simple. We didn't dive into Wikidata at this start, but it really is simple as Diego told me the sun goes up at and and maybe I need your background as a meteorologist of Suriname, depending on how much credibility is needed.
2: Oh, but okay, but let's let's. You mentioned Wikidata, so I think most of us we look at Wikipedia and we don't understand like what goes on behind it. We don't know Wikipedia, we don't know Wikidata. So to, to break off slowly, can you like briefly explain? how that system works and how it's different from each other.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I think, you know, Wikipedia, cause Diego, you gave a really great example of it. So every student knows Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikidata is, there are about 300 Wikipedias in different languages. So what it does it take if there is a government change in, in, in a country, then Probably the same day that, that the new head of state is instated, it will be on the languages spoken in that country. But it, it will not be in a language spoken far away because it will take some time. Someone who speaks that foreign language should be interested in that country and be interested in politics of that country to really... And I knows I know how to enter data into Wikipedia as well. I... Well, if you're, a, if you're a Wikipedian, you know that. But it takes a Wikipedian to change that. And so what does the initial idea of Wikidata is to set up a database following the Linked data principles I just mentioned and to populate Wikipedia articles. So let's say there is a government change in Suriname. All you do is you go to the database and you say the head of state of Suriname is X. And then there is a change. You change the X in Y and then all over the 300 Wikipedias, that name is changed because it doesn't require an edit. That was the initial idea. But now it has; it actually became an independent project for data, so it's not. It's it it still feeds Wikipedia's, uh, and we don't have time to 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 discuss in there how, but it is now used by various applications in the world as a data source because you don't have to have your backend. So, and I can wrap up what Wikipedia is to content articles slash article slash text. Wikidata is to data. It's the same principles. Anyone can add it. Provenance is important only in Wikipedia articles. We talk content on Wikidata, we talk data. And then there is also wiki Commons. there. They talk images, but that's that's image. Let's, let's, that's, that's for another. Yeah, actor.
1: gotcha. No, thanks for clarifying that last piece, Andra. So to close this off, I think I will do each one over under Jean-Luc to keep it within the time. So why don't you kick us off, look, and then explain what you're doing. You're, you're muted, by the way.
2: Sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's got to be overrated, underrated. So you will tell us whether something is overrated, something is underrated or properly rated if you can't make up your mind or you just feel it's, it's properly rated. That's sort of easy. Belgian chocolate.
1: Overrated. Okay. And in the theme of data, are you familiar with DALI? No. Uh, open. Data. Ah, yes. Yes. Yes, uh, overrated or underrated. <laughs> I just started playing with it today. So... Oh, you got an invite. I'm still waiting. No,
0: go. no, no. I'm using one of those Discord, Discord. I will share the link with you. One of the uh, competing thing. I, I honestly don't know. It is really, really interesting. I think if I'm a, if I'm a freight person, I think, oh, we're screwed. If, I, if I'm taking my technical glasses, I would like, this is really, really interesting. So uh, I honestly don't know here, sorry. I think maybe between overrated and let's go for properly rated, but ask me the
1: question again in two weeks. Got it. I think if you have one more, you can ask it, Chandu, otherwise.
2: Yeah, sure. I'm wondering about living in Suriname, is it overrated or underrated? (laughs) Is this a political question?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's personal preference. Oh, maybe,
2: or maybe growing up in Suriname, let's, let's change the narrative a little bit, growing up in Suriname
0: or spending a part spending no, no, no. Years uh, of your uh, youth in Suriname. That's underrated. Is it underrated? Yes. It should be, it should be rated better. It's, it's definitely underrated. It's absolutely better. underrated. I actually yeah. had this discussion recently with someone It says when I was growing up at the skin, I don't know if this is the case, but back in the time, the, the fear was really outside. You look what they did in Miami. You didn't look what it is in Port Photo, in Amdamsko, you name it. But I didn't look inside and that's, that's that's. but maybe it takes growing up to make that assessment, but yeah, I think it's underrated. I had a great time. So yes, then it's underrated.
1: I, I, I appreciate, or we appreciate the sharing that and I agree uh, having a different perspective, outside perspective kind of makes you appreciate it looking back more, I think. But with that being said, Andra, thank you for sharing this data talk. It was a bit technical at some points, but we pushed through. Shanduk did his best translating that into, you know, some lay language, but uh, it was really insightful and we touched on some points on, especially the creative Commons, which is a whole mess on its own, but yeah, Shanlouk closing thoughts and then you can close it up.
2: Yeah. Andrew, thank you so much for taking your time to explain to us how data works. Of course, we could have done a much deeper dive into it, but I think for people that are interested in understanding how this works, how data entry works, also how it works when it comes to diversity as well. I think we have thought, like you said, It's something that we consider ourselves a really diverse country and and different kinds of forms of diversity. And we should definitely, just like with the general content and data, we should definitely dive more into that as well. We again want to thank you, everybody who tuned in and the people. We didn't put any comments in, but we want to ask everybody that watched uh, the show as well. Thank them. And yes, it was also a little bit of a different timeframe than you're used to. That happens again when we do these sessions with our guests in Europe. So thank you for tuning in to Social Confos and hope to see you back next week. Bye-bye.